Well, what's good, CHCC family and friends? Hey, good morning to you once again. I pray uh, you all have been encouraged thus far in the service. Now it's time to hear the word of the Lord preached. And so if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll be looking at verses 3 through 6 in our time. So go ahead and turn there. Hey, if you're new to reading the Bible and you're having a hard time finding the book of Ephesians, hey, that's cool. Just turn in the, in the beginning of your Bible to the table of contents and find the book of Ephesians and jump in with us from there. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, hey, welcome once again. Uh, you have jumped in with us uh, in a new sermon series through the book of Ephesians called Grace Through Faith, A Gift from God. And so I'm happy that you're with us this morning um, and, and excited to worship the Lord Jesus with you all now as we dive into his word. And so if you haven't already, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. We'll be looking at chapter one, verses three through six. And, and, and what I'll do is I'll read verses three through 14 to give us kind of a whole scope of the passage this morning. But before I do that, let me ask the Lord to, to help me and to bless this time. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, thanking you for this Lord today, thanking you for, um, yeah, new morning mercies that we have all experienced this morning. God, I pray by your grace uh, that you would, um, yeah, Lord, be glorified in the time now as your word is preached um, and that you would, um, yeah, magnify yourself through the preached word. And I pray that we would all uh, hear you uh, and that you would minister to us, Lord, in uh, the only ways that you can. So God, would you, would you do that? Would you help me now, Lord, as I seek to, to preach your word, to proclaim your word? And would you help us all, Lord, to uh, hear you this morning? And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So once again, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, as I'll read, just to give us a whole scope of the passage, but we'll be looking at verses 3 through 6 in our time. So Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ 
might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Isn't this a glorious passage? Man, this, this, this passage is, is booming with just rich theology and doctrine. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon, uh, yeah, reading this passage and to get the full scope, but we'll be diving in verses three through six, as I just wanted to break this up some and not rush through it. And so that we can spend some time really uh, diving into this rich doctrine and theology. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the main idea of our passage is God the Father has blessed the believer with every spiritual blessing, salvation, in the Son, by the Spirit. Once again, God the Father has blessed the believer with every spiritual blessing, salvation, in the Son, and by the Spirit. Another way to put it, each person of the Trinity plays a role in our salvation, and we'll see this main idea teased out uh, throughout verses 3 through 14 over the next couple of weeks. So if you're taking notes, I only have one point for us this morning, one point only. God the Father. God the Father. So we're going to see this teased out in verses 3 through 6. And so two subpoints under God the Father is one. Who is God the Father? Who is God the Father? And then two, what did God the Father do? What did God the Father do? So point one from verse 3a, God the Father. Look back with me at verse 3a. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So who is the Father? Who is God the Father? Well, first off, the verse lets us know that he is to be blessed. He is to be blessed. The word blessed means to be praised. So we know off bat that God the Father is to be praised. Why is he to be praised? Well, because he's God. Because he's God. He's not like us. He's in a whole nother league by himself. He's God. And I like the way the, the New City Catechism uh, defines this. And so the New City Catechism is just a resource to help children and adults learn core beliefs of the Christian faith through questions and answers. And this is how they define who is God. Here's what it says. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal infinite and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. That's a good definition, right? Really good, really rich. This is who our God is. He's not like us. This is who he is. And so I, I, don't, I don't have time right now to... to uh, break down every aspect of this definition, but I do want to kind of hang our hats on him being the creator right now. Let's, let's hang our hats on him being the creator just for a little bit. So Genesis 1 through 2, 
puts us up on game that he's God and that he's the creator of all things, including you and me. He's the creator of everything, including you and me. Uh, God is to be praised as creator. Listen to Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of Genesis chapters 1 through 2 lets us know that God created the day and the night. Uh, he created the, the waters and the dry land. He created the animals, etc., etc. And then he created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, and that they would be an uh, that they would be the first of many offspring to come, that they would be the first. But what's unique about God creating Adam and Eve and every other human being ever since is that we are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God and after his likeness. Listen to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know what's amazing about this passage is that you and I as human beings were all created in the image of God after his likeness. We, we have all been given uh, dignity and worth and purpose in him, in our creator. And this is who our identity is to be found in. This is who we are to identify with. Our identities are, are in him. Now, sadly... We have found our identity in other things throughout our lifetime, huh? If you are a believer, um, by God's grace, you have, have now found your identity in him and, and are living in the intended purpose that God had for you from the very jump. If you're, if you're not walking with the Lord right now, then, then maybe you're finding your identity in other things, so many other things like, like jobs, like houses, money family, a spouse, uh, the hope to have a spouse, whatever that might be. And for us as believers, we also still have to be careful that although we have been redeemed, that we aren't finding our identity in these particular things too. When we're out on the block in Congress Heights, you know, we run into homies all the time who are, are you know, into the drug game, they're selling drugs and, and doing all these, these different things. And, and, that, and maybe their identity is wrapped up in that lifestyle. They want to be a hood star. I get it. At one point, I wanted to as well. I wanted to be a hood star. I thought that that was 
what I needed to pursue. I thought that that was who I needed to be in order to be a man. So if you're tuning in this morning and that's you and you've been caught up in that lifestyle, man, I, I want you to know that no, your identity is not found in selling drugs or committing crimes or doing all of these different things. No, your identity is to be found in God, the one who made you, the one who gave you life, who loves you. Your identity is to be wrapped up in him. It's like the song that uh, Jason and, and Thizzle uh, put together called You Are Not a Goon. Like, yeah, that's not what God created you for. He created you for his glory, for his purpose, for you to know him, for you to be saved. And that's what he created all of us for, to worship him, to know him, and to live a life pleasing to him. So I, I want, man, I want you to know that this is what God has intended for all of us this morning. All of us. We have all been given the same worth, dignity, and purpose. No matter the color of our skin, no matter our background, no matter where we grew up, oh, we are image bearers. And that means a lot. That means so much this morning. It means so much that God would love us in this way, to create us, to give us life. And ultimately, his desire to give us life in him, in the Son. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know the Lord, that you would uh, come to know him. That you would, uh, man, put to death all of those, uh, yeah, desires to want to find your identity in everything else besides him and repent of that, turn away from that and turn to him and find your true identity and purpose and worth in him. Because God sent his son to die and to rise so that you might be found in him so that you might be in him and saved by his grace. So I want to invite you to that this morning if that's, that's you. If you've never put your trust in Christ, put your trust in him. He's worthy of all your praise. And if you are a believer this morning, and maybe this week you found yourself caught up in so many other different things, uh, you found yourself being caught up your identity being caught up in your job and you're finding your worth in your job or you've, you're finding your worth in other people, ah, find your worth in God. Yeah, he is the one who we as believers are uh, to uh, pursue and to worship. No one else is worthy of worship but him. So look to him this morning. Repent of uh, 
Yeah, your false worship of other things this morning, idolatry. And man, trust him. Live in the way that God has intended for you and that he has already, by his grace, brought you in, in right relation. Continue to walk in it by grace. You remember back in Exodus how Moses wanted to see God's glory? God told him if he, he actually saw him that he couldn't live, but that he would pass him and proclaim his name. So this is, this is what we, we also learn from Scripture. This is more of what we learn about God. Here's how God tells us of himself in Exodus 34, 6-7. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Isn't that beautiful? This is who our God is. God is gracious, which means he's good. And he does good. He's merciful, which means he, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Man, we, we all deserve death because of our sin. But God will, will grant us mercy. He'll give us life if we come to him. He's slow to anger, which means that he's patient. He could do away with us all this morning if he so chose to. But he's patient. He loves us. He's abounding in steadfast love, which means that his love is plentiful. He has plenty of love. And he's faithful in his love. His, his love is loyal. And that he's forgiving. So we praise God for his grace and his mercy and his steadfast love towards us this morning. And then verse 3a also tells us that he's the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? What does it mean that he's the father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, this passage is Trinitarian in nature. Uh, what this means is that it gets after how God has always existed, that he's always existed as Trinity. So then what's the Trinity? Well, Wayne Grudem defines the Trinity as this. He says, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. This is profound. This is who our God is. One being, one essence, three persons, three distinct persons. Now, the word Trinity is, is not found in Scripture, but the teaching of Trinity is, is all throughout the Bible. Even in the passage we saw earlier in the sermon, God creating us in his image after his likeness. You see the words there, he says, let us make man in our image. The Trinity is, is even in the beginning of the Bible. And so there was never a time where God the Father wasn't God the Father, and God the Son wasn't God the Son. 
and God the Holy Spirit wasn't God the Holy Spirit. Each person has eternally existed as God before the foundations of the world. Listen to how Jesus prays in John 17. He says, I glorify you on earth. And this is him praying to the Father. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Do you see that? Do you see how Jesus is praying to the Father and how he is He's asking the Father to, to glorify him uh, in his own presence, the, the glory that he had with the Father before the world existed. You see that? The Son was with the Father before the world existed. So praise God for the eternal nature of the Son. The Son has always been the Son. God has, God the Father has always been God the Father. The Holy Spirit has always been the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, one being, eternally existing before the worlds began, before there was anything. It was God. He was and has always been. Everything has come from him. He is our glorious creator, as we looked at earlier in the sermon, which then leads to my second sub point. So what did God the Father do? What did God the Father do? Look back with me at verse 3b through verse 6. It says, starting at 3b, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessed is a blesser. The one who is to be praised blesses. So God the Father has blessed the believer in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we have been blessed in Christ and our blessings are in the heavenly places. What does this mean? Dr. Tony Marita helps us understand this aspect where he says, Paul speaks of being blessed in the heavens, a phrase only used in Ephesians. I think this gets at the already not yet aspect of our salvation. Now we are linked with the heavenly realms because of our relationship with God. We have the benefits of salvation now. But we also anticipate them in the future when we will praise him with all nations. You see that? Is that, man, we, we reap the benefits now <laughs> of our salvation. But, but there's more to come. That, man, we, we get to bask in his glory and be with him, worshiping him for all of eternity. So then what do these spiritual blessings consist of? Well, it's the other particulars of our salvation listed in the verses to follow. So what's one of those? If you look back in verse four, you see that God chose us. God chose us. Look back there with me right now. Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy 
and blameless before him. This is the doctrine of election, the glorious doctrine of election. Here's how Wayne Gruden defines the doctrine of election. He says, election is an act of God before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved, not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. This is a beautiful doctrine, y'all. And then look at look what else the text says. It says that God did this before the creation of the world. The Father set this up so nicely. <laughs> he chose those of us who have turned from our sin and turned to him by faith. He chose us unto salvation. But you know what this doctrine of election should do? For us, for those of us who are believers, it should humble us. It should humble us. We shouldn't be puffed up or, or anything of that sort. Uh, man, we should be humbled by the reality that God, the man, the wondrous God that we serve, chose us unto salvation. And that he didn't choose us based on who we are or anything that we could do. He chose us by his grace, by sheer mercy. This should cause us to praise this morning that God chose us, that he saved us. And you know what else this doctrine of election should do to those of us who are believers? It should also fuel our evangelism. It should fuel our evangelism. Here's what I mean. If, if, if God has chosen people uh, unto salvation before the foundation of the world, then we should chill on our evangelism, right? It's already wrapped up. God already knows who he's going to save, and we don't need to go out and share the good news of Christ, huh? No. <laughs> no, we, we, we do. God has called us as believers to proclaim the gospel, we don't know who all of God's elect are. We don't. And Jesus taught on election, but then he also gave us the great commission after. So he teaches on election. We think about passages like John 6, John 10. But he also gives us the great commission to go and preach the gospel. So believers, we are to go and proclaim this good news so that all of God's elect, all of God's people uh, would turn away from their sin and turn to him by faith, by his grace. And he's able to do it. So let us not slack up on evangelism. Let us actually rev it up more. Let us continue uh, with, with passion and with urgency to proclaim his good news to the world. So we are to, to go and share the gospel faithfully to all the creation as Jesus told us in Mark 16, 15. And then what is the goal of him choosing us though? Look at what the text says. Look at verse 4b, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Him. So God chose us as believers to be holy and blameless before him. 
This is the goal of election. Isn't this glorious, family? That God chose us so that we might be set apart, that we might be holy, that we might be blameless before him, spotless, cleansed of all of our sin, of all of our transgression, that he has forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what our God has done. But wait, it gets better. Not only did he choose us for salvation to be holy and blameless before him, but he also predestined us for adoption. Listen to verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Paul tells us in another way how God chose us unto salvation. This time he tells us that God in love predestined us for adoption. The word predestined just means that God foreordained or he willed it or pre-planned it before creation. What did he predestine? That those of us who would repent of our sins and trust Jesus by faith, that we would be family, that we would be a part of his family. He has adopted us. We were at one point not his children, but he has made us his children by faith, by trust, by his grace. What glorious good news that this is. Think about the adoption process. Ah, man, like when parents are uh, seeking to adopt a new child and they go through all of the different steps, the, the paperwork, the, the uh, process to adopt a new child. Uh, and then when they are uh, to the end of that process and they have actually completed everything and they get to meet their child for the first time, Man, just think about the, the joy and excitement that is on their face when they get to see their new child that they have adopted. But you know something else? Man, as they were going through that process, when they even saw the picture of this new baby or this new child, they loved this child from the very beginning, didn't they? They desired to to father and to mother this child. What joy, even for the child who has now been adopted by this loving father and mother, what joy for them now to experience, uh, man, God's grace in parenting. Now just think about that for a second. Think about how for you and I, God has adopted us. God has made us his children. We at one point uh, didn't experience uh, the, the, the benefits of having a heavenly father as we do now. But by his grace, we now experience that. Man, this is good news that God would, would take a people from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different, everything, and bring us together by the blood of his son 
and make us one, to make us family. Now, I don't know, um, for some of us, you know, we may have grown up without a father in the home, um, or man, maybe we've lost a father or a mother, um, or maybe your father is still living and, and you, uh, you and your father don't have the best of relationships. Man, I want you to know if that's you this morning, and you, man, God is a perfect father. That our earthly fathers aren't perfect, but our heavenly father is perfect, and that he will father you, that he will, uh, man, that he will raise you, that he will be with you, that he will be present, and that he will uh, love you in the way that he intends. I want you to know that this morning, that, man, he can fill that hole, that gap, that fatherlessness gap or motherlessness gap for you this morning. If you come to him, if you trust him, he can do that for you. So look to him, trust him, receive his goodness in this way this morning. Now think about, man, how God has, has done this. When we think about our church family, CHCC, how God has brought us all together to be a family. This is one of our core values for us as a church. This is huge for us. We want to be the type of church that, man, is family. Um, that, uh, man, we do life together. That we love one another, we care for one another, that we, uh, yeah, encourage one another, and that we are on mission together as a family. This is our hope as a church. This is who we desire to be, and this is who, by God's grace and by his gospel, he has called us to be, and how we are desiring to, to live that out as a new church here in Congress Heights. Man, we want to be, uh, yeah, the the type of church that shows off, man, what it means to be a family, knitted together, linking arms, on mission together in Congress Heights. And we want you to get in on that. If you don't know the Lord Jesus this morning, we want you to get in on that, that you might be a part of his family, that you might know him, God the Father as Father, and that you might know the community that God also desires for you to be a part of, his local church. We want you to get in on that, but the only way that you can get in on that is if you would turn from your sin and turn to Christ by faith. Put to death what's earthly in you Turn to him, receive his life, his new life that he desires to, to give you. Would you do that this morning? God is calling. He's drawing by his spirit. Man, heed the call. Hear him. Trust in him by faith this morning. And be a part of a family that God is our heavenly father and that God 
desires to uh, display to the whole world his purposes, his glory, his goodness. Get in on that with us. And you know what else? Lastly, that God did, man, he did all of this according to his purpose, his will, his good pleasure, to the praise of his glorious grace. He didn't do any of this for us. He did it all for himself. This reminds me of Ezekiel 36, verses 22 through 27. Here's what it says. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see that this morning? Is that, man, all of what God has done, the, the spiritual blessings of salvation, all of the aspects of salvation, man, his election, his choosing of some to be saved, his predestining us unto adoption, all of this, all of this was done, not merely because of you or me. It was done because of God and who he is. He did this all for his glory, to the praise of his glorious name. So that means our salvation is, ah oh man, it's, it's to the glory of him. No glory in us. To the glory of him and the praise of him. Isn't this beautiful? God did this for his own sake, for his name's sake. We saw that in the Ezekiel 36 passage. So, man, this glorious salvation that we'll even see teased out more in the coming weeks. Know that this morning that God is the father who set this all up. And who gets all of the glory for what he has done. Let us pray now unto his name and praise him for his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, your wondrous salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you did this for your own namesake, that you did this for your own glory. And ah, that we as believers have ah, received you only because you made yourself known to us, only because you chose us, you predestined us, you adopted us, 
And had you not done that, we wouldn't know you. We wouldn't be able to call you Father. So God, we, we praise you this morning. That we know you and that we get to make you known. Oh God, help us to go in the rest of this day encouraged as believers knowing that you are our Heavenly Father. That you are perfect. That you are good in all your ways. And God, I pray for, for some of us this morning who may not know you. God, I pray that you would draw them by your grace. I pray that you would save them, yeah, by your mercy. I pray, Lord, that they would know you as Father and that they would know the Lord Jesus as their elder brother. God, would you, would you do this by your, your, your grace? Would you do this for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.